Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, I'm Jason. I'm the student pastor here at Fox River, as Pastor Guy already said. Uh, I've been doing student ministry for 20 plus years. Like, I'm getting kind of old already. Um, but I've been doing it five years here with you all at Fox River. And I want to tell you that I, I love what I do. I love my job that I get to do every day. I get to walk alongside middle and high school students as they figure out who they are and how they fit into this world. And then as they learn what it looks like to follow Jesus in this world. And students, parents, if you haven't checked out student nights, um, now is the time to start. In fact, this next Wednesday is our next one. We meet every Wednesday. Middle school is 6 to 7.30 and high school is 7.30 to 9. So if you haven't come out for that, make sure that you do. You know, besides the students, one other thing I love is coming alongside parents because um, parenting is hard. My parenting is hard. I've got two kids, 18, who just graduated and a 16-year-old who just started driving. So like, I understand the stresses and struggles that come with parenting. So I'm, I'm a resource to you, parents. I love coming alongside you. The other part that I love is my team. I think we have the best volunteers in Fox River students. Um, I might be a little biased. Uh, it sounds like the XP team is pretty crazy, so that's cool. But all of you who volunteer, we appreciate everything that you do. I'm just a little biased towards our team. But we love what we do, and we love doing it together. We have a blast serving students. So if you have ever thought, I would love to make an impact in the next generation for Jesus, come and talk to me after the service, and I'd love to talk to you about that. Any questions about student ministry, scan the QR code, click the student nights graphic, all things are in there. Otherwise, find me out in the atrium after service, and I'll talk to you then. Uh, question to get us started, you could probably all relate to this, but have you ever found yourself stuck trying to make a decision between multiple good options? You ever feel that before? Yeah, like it is hard to make a decision, especially when it seems like everything is good. Uh, here's an example that I bet every married person in here can relate to. You and your spouse decide to go out to eat. Yeah, you already know where I'm going, right? Yeah, uh, you didn't make a reservation because it was just a last minute decision, so you get in the car, right, and you're driving and you look over at your spouse, what, what do you wanna eat? And they're like, ah, I, I don't know, I don't really have any specific cravings, anything is fine, right? So then you're like, well, what about this? No. What about this? Nah. What about that new place? No. How about that place our friends told us about? No. So it seems like they probably had specific cravings, right? But I get it, I get it. It's hard to make decisions, especially going out to eat, right? There's a lot of good options, so it's hard to make a choice. And this, this is the place where we find the people of Israel stuck between trying to make a decision between two different options for the focus of their worship, right? Baal, who is the god of rain and fertility and was brought to the people by their king Ahab through his marriage to Jezebel, and then God, like the God, Yahweh, Jehovah, the one that we're all here to worship together today. And so they're stuck, trying to decide which one is right, which one is best. And if we're honest, there were some things that were appealing about following Baal. The first of which was that there was pressure as you know, Baal's the official like governmental god or faith. And so the people felt pressure to do what their king was doing. And then there were real draws to Baal. Like worshiping and following Baal basically meant anything goes. Like whatever is good for you, whatever feels good, whatever is true to you, whatever you like, Baal was okay with. 
Well, on the other hand, God seemed more restrictive, like he had all these rules and all these things that I probably shouldn't do and things that I definitely can't do, and that just isn't as appealing, that's not as fun. And so while the appeal of Baal was growing, the connection to God had been fading for years and years and years with the people. And so God does what he always does in this moment. He moves to draw his people back to him or or some people to him for the first time, right? He starts working to draw his people in and he does that by calling his prophet Elijah. And this sets the stage for one of the coolest stories in the Bible, the showdown at Mount Carmel, the showdown between Elijah and the prophets of Baal and God and Baal. This showdown is what we get. Before we dive into that, though, I wanna pray for us real quick. Would you bow your heads with me? Father God, we thank you for this place to worship and come together. God, I pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us today. God, I pray that when we leave today, we're closer to you than when we came in. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't had the chance to listen to Pastor Guy's message from last week, make sure you do that. Go online and check that out because it is well worth your time and full of really good things for you. Our series maxim, the thing that we've been focusing on, is that following is filled with highs and lows. So let's say that together. Following is filled with highs and and lows, and we know that that is true. That is a guarantee. It sounds like a fun, catchy phrase, but it is guaranteed that following Jesus has highs. We all know that, and we're comfortable with that, but there are also guaranteed to be lows, and we're less comfortable with that, but it's a, it's a promise. And we're okay, because this symbol on my shirt and these, these weird symbols behind me, that it says God is greater than the highs and lows. This is where we draw our confidence from walking through those highs and lows. Now to set it up a little bit, Elijah has been hiding for like three and a half years. He's been in hiding because of this drought, right? He's being blamed for the drought, so he's been in hiding. And now after three and a half years, God says, hey, it's time for you to stop hiding and go and reveal yourself. And so that's where we pick up in 1 Kings 18, Verses one and two says, after a long time in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Simple two verses. God gives clear and simple instruction. Go present yourself. And I think uh, most of the time when God gives us instruction or expectations, They're actually fairly clear, and most of the time I think we understand it. It's just what we decide to do with it. We're maybe not as sure that we wanna do that thing. It's not that we didn't understand it. But Elijah shows us like a bold faith. God says, hey, go reveal yourself, show yourself, present yourself to this guy that probably wants you dead. And Elijah says, all right, I'm gonna do that, Lord. And he just does it. Bold faith and obedience from Elijah. And then skipping ahead a few verses to 17, verse 17 and 18, when he, Ahab, saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, you troubler of Israel? I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You've abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. So Ahab and Elijah, face to face for the first time in years, Ahab calls him the troubler of Israel. Why would he do that? He's convinced that Elijah is to blame for the drought because 
He worships Baal. And Baal is the god of rain and hasn't rained in three plus years. And so he assumes someone must have made Baal angry and he has determined that was Elijah. And so he's mad at him, blames him for all the trouble. And Elijah, again, like without hesitation, like with boldness and confidence, says, it's not me that is the troubler, it's you. You're the king. You're supposed to be following God. You're supposed to be showing the people what it means to follow God and leading them to God, but you're not. You've led them to Baal. So actually, you are the troubler, sir. Bold. This guy's been hunting him for years and he blames, he shows up and blames him for all the problems. Elijah's bold in this. Let's move ahead to verses 20 and 21. So Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. Now this is like a really good question that, that Elijah asks and it actually makes me think about wavering and what we just went through with Aaron Rodgers and before that with Brett Favre and is he gonna retire, is he gonna play, is he gonna play for us, is he gonna play for somebody else, right? That was a frustrating season but we're through it, we're through it. Jordan Love is our quarterback now and hopefully it'll be good, amen? Amen, you, you, I feel the, the confidence in the room. Like, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but Elijah asked like the question of the day. How long will you waver? How long are you gonna sway back and forth? How long are you gonna stand with one foot in each place? How long are you gonna waver between two opinions? And this is a question that I think Jesus asks us pretty often. How long are you gonna waver between me and this thing that you think is best? How long will you waver? See, Elijah knew that the people at the time were very flat or lukewarm spiritually, and I think we see that, and after he asked this question, how long will you waver, either serve God or serve Baal, and they say, nothing. They're kinda like, we'll wait and see what happens. They're not really committed one way or the other, they're flat, but Elijah also knows that God is looking for full devotion from his people, full devotion. God has shown us full devotion since the beginning of people, right? He has walked with us every day. He has tried to guide us and keep us on the path that is best for us, and then when we inevitably wander off that path, he comes by, and he's like, hey, come back over here, and he leads us back to where we're supposed to be. And so God has been fully devoted to us since the beginning, and so he's looking for us to be just as devoted to him. And Elijah knows this, so Elijah has set up this challenge with the prophets of Baal, there's 450 prophets of Baal against just him, Elijah. He sets up this challenge, like here's what we're gonna do, here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna do this thing so that we can prove once and for all, so you can stop wavering who is God. He's like, here's how it's gonna be. We're gonna get two bulls, all right? You're gonna get one and I'm gonna get one. We're gonna prepare it for sacrifice and then I'm gonna pray to my God and you're gonna pray to your God and whichever God answers with fire, well, that God is real, right? This is a big challenge, it's bold, right? Like whichever God sends fire down, that's the real God. 
Now, in the, the verses coming up, 26 through 29, Elijah, being a gracious challenge host, allows the prophets of Baal to go first. And so they go out there, all 400 plus of them, marching around, chanting, screaming, yelling, doing whatever they can to get Baal's attention to the point where they cut themselves until their blood is flowing, all to get Baal to respond. And in the end, after all their efforts, the response they get is there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. There's two parts in this part of the story. There's two things that sting my heart. The first one is when the prophets resort to cutting themselves to get a response from Baal. Now this issue of cutting and self-harm is real. It's real and it's one that my team and I deal with far more often than we wish we did. Maybe you can relate, maybe you've been there, maybe you are there, or you know somebody, or you know somebody who knows somebody, but you definitely have some kind of connection to this issue. And we want you to know that we understand that there are very real hurts, very real hurts that have led you down the path to thinking that that is the right course of action for you, that, or, or that's the only course of action for you. We understand that there are real hurts. What we want you to know, what Jesus wants you to know, is that he wants you to bring those hurts to him. Come to him for comfort and guidance. He wants to walk with you. He wants to love you through it. He wants to lead you to a place where you no longer need to do those things. Jesus wouldn't ask you to do that and he wouldn't expect you to harm yourself in any way. And you don't have to do it to get his attention because you already have his attention. He loves you. He wants you to talk to somebody. If this is you or you know somebody, he wants to talk to somebody. You can talk to me. You can talk to the other pastors, the other staff. You can talk to the prayer team that'll be up here after the service, but please talk to someone. The other part of this moment that stings my heart is the response that the prophets get. And it's so cold feeling, like no one responded. No, nobody answered, nobody was there. These prophets went into this probably fully confident that they were gonna win this challenge, that their God was gonna show up and they were gonna be victorious, right? They did everything they could and they were confident when they did it. And then nothing. Like I feel kind of bad for them. Like, I know they're the, they're the bad guys in the story, right? And Elijah's the, the good guy, but like, I feel bad because I think about how, how often do we look to things other than God for comfort or answers or peace or hope only to find nothing that is meaningful or lasting? Or have you ever had prayers unanswered If you've ever had prayer unanswered or you feel like your prayer was unanswered, you can relate to what they were feeling in this moment. Or how often do we trust ourselves more than Jesus? Probably more often than we'd like to admit. And what stings my heart is how often our faith can be misplaced. Like how often we can put our faith in the wrong things. 
after this, after the prophets get their opportunity, after Baal gets his opportunity, Elijah's turn. Elijah gets his shot at it and God shows up. God shows up. In verse 30, he says, uh, and Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. And they came to him and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. And there's this moment here where the prophet of God is drawing the people close. He's saying, come in, come closer. Everybody come close so you can hear me and you can understand. And then he rebuilds the altar in like this gesture of like, remember when you worshiped God. Remember what that was like. Remember how he showed up for you. Remember how he loved you. Remember how he guided you. Remember when you worshiped God. And in his mind, he's thinking, I'm about to remind you. God's about to remind you. Verse 38, Elijah goes up and he prays this prayer and he says, God, answer me, answer your prayers, your servant, and do this so that everyone here will know that you are God. And God answered, Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. Okay, didn't stop there. The wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench around it. Like, I don't know how hot fire has to be to burn up stone. Maybe somebody in here does, but really hot, right? Like, super hot. So this is like, no doubt, no question, this is fire straight from God, from the sky, from God, so hot, it burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stone, the soil, and every drop of water around it. There was no doubt that this was from God. And the people saw this, and we finally see some life from these flat lukewarm people, they fell and cried, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And they saw a miracle. God was victorious. Elijah was victorious. Baal had failed. And in this this victory, the aftermath, Elijah went off and he prayed and then God sent rain on the land again. The people saw the fire and then they saw the rain come. Like, no doubt, no question, God is the God, victorious. We look at Elijah in this story. Throughout the entire story, from beginning to end, Elijah was unwavering, unwavering, unlike the people who were wavering. Elijah was bold and decisive and not wavering in any way. We didn't see one moment of hesitation, and why? In the previous chapter, Elijah saw God show up multiple times. God says, go into hiding, okay, and he provides water from a brook and food that was delivered by ravens. Has anybody ever had food delivered by birds? No, Elijah did, and that's God showing up, right? And then he said, the, the brook dried up, so there's no water, because there's a drought. And so God says, now go to Zarephath and meet up with this widow here, and she's gonna provide for you. And so God provides like an endless jar of flour and a bottomless jug of oil. It never runs out, so that she can keep making food and feeding herself and Elijah and her son. And then her son gets sick and dies. And Elijah takes the boy and prays, and God brings him back to life. Elijah had every reason to be confident because he'd seen God show up and he knew that when he walked up to Ahab that day, 
He knew that God would show up again. He had no doubt that God would show up again. I wonder how often God shows up in our lives and we miss it. Or how often our prayers don't get answered, except that they were, but we didn't really like how they were answered, so we just convince ourselves that he didn't answer at all. Sometimes we blame God when things don't go right. We blame God when we get hurt. Is it possible that our wavering is what hurts us? And I don't say that meaning that if we waver or we have doubts or questions or we're worried that somehow God withholds himself from us or withholds his blessing from us. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we're wavering, we find ourselves stuck between two things. We're looking over here sometimes, we're kind of over here sometimes, and so maybe when God is doing his thing over here and he's working and he's doing miracles, he's answering prayers and he's showing his love and guiding, we're looking over here so we miss it. Whatever this thing over here is that we think is better, it has our attention and so we miss the stuff God is doing over here. Jesus speaks to this idea of wavering in Matthew chapter six, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. I don't know if you noticed the line on the stage and the one on the screen, but this is like, this is wavering, where you find yourself either firmly planted on the line with one foot on either side, or once in a while you're over here, and once in a while you're over here. But this is what wavering is, where you've got two sides and you can't decide which one you are on. Like, when God is asking you to serve in the church, right? You're over here with God, but then you keep finding reasons why you don't have time to do it. And you're wavering. When you know that God has a plan for you, right? It's best. You know that. You've been taught that. You've heard that. God has a plan for you, but you keep coming over here because you think that your plan is best. Well, you're wavering. Or here's one pastor guy I just talked about. You know that your next step is getting baptized. Like you know it is time to declare publicly to the world that you follow Jesus, but you're nervous or you keep finding reasons why you can't or won't do it. You're wavering. Good news about baptism is we can put an end to your wavering right now. As Pastor Gary already talked about, you can scan that QR code and sign yourself up to get baptized right now. You can take your phone out and end your wavering and sign up to be baptized indoors or outdoors at the lake, you choose. But you can stop the wavering with that one right now. So you can use your phones, it's fine. I won't get mad if you're on your phone. You can take care of that and stop the wavering on that right now. I don't say these things to judge you. Like, I'm not judging you for not going to church or not serving or not getting baptized. I'm not, I'm not up here to judge you, but I am trying to call you up to the fullness of what Jesus has for you. 
I want you to experience the fullness of life that Jesus has for you, so I want you to stop wavering and make your choice. So what is your next step? Where have you been wavering? What is the thing that you know that you need to do? You just need to do it. Where do you think the people of Israel first started to slip away from God? You can search through history books, you can search through the previous chapters of your Bible, and you might find some things that like point to why they started to slip away, but you probably won't find the thing because the thing was probably something pretty small, maybe even insignificant at the time. Like when we wake up Sunday morning and we're just too tired to go to church, so we don't. No big deal, it's one week. We missed one week of church, that's fine. Everybody does it. Except that you forgot that the next weekend you've got a family picnic and you're gonna be out of town and so you won't be at church again that weekend, all right. And then, because your calendar is crazy busy, you forgot that the next weekend you have a soccer tournament for your kids, and so you won't be at church that weekend either. And then the next weekend, because everything is not so crazy and you're exhausted, you're like, we can't go to church again because we're just too exhausted. We deserve a break. And you look, and you're like, man, it's been like a month since we were at church last. And it probably felt like that. That's how quickly it can happen. I accepted Jesus as my savior in middle school, 13 years old. I accepted Jesus as my savior, but I remained the Lord of my life. I was still in charge. Like I wanted Jesus still as my get out of hell free card, right? My genie when I needed something. Right, yeah, you guys can relate to that, right? Like that's what I wanted Jesus for, but I wanted to be the one calling the shots. And for 15 years, from 13 to 28, as a married man with two kids, I wanted to call the shots, and it was terrible. Like, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm the worst Lord of my life ever. I made a mess, I made mistakes, and I hurt myself, I hurt my family, I hurt my friends, and it was a disaster. It's been said from the stage before, but it's worth repeating that believing in Jesus is not the same as following Jesus. I got to observe a a funny interaction between a father and his three kids the other night at church. Um, And dads, you'll know, right? You're walking and your kids are trailing behind you. And so dad's walking and dad goes this way and the first kid goes this way and the second kid goes this way and the third kid goes this way. And then I hear that kid say, what the heck? Because they realize, oh, my family's way over there. And they run to catch up to their dad and their dad looks at them and says, and I wanna get this right because it's good. He says, I've got a tip for you. If you would just follow me, you wouldn't get into this trouble. That's Jesus, like all the time with us. If you would just follow me, you wouldn't get into this trouble. If you would just listen to me, you wouldn't get into this trouble. If you would just believe that I know what's best, you wouldn't get into this trouble. 
that was me. I believed in Jesus fully. I believed him as my savior, but I did not follow. I was torn, wavering between serving two masters or two lords, Jesus as my Lord and myself. And I never want to go back to being Lord of my life. It was the worst. I still make mistakes. I still slip up because I'm still a sinner. So I still, once in a while, will wander over into me being Lord and Jesus will bring me back gently. But I have made Jesus Lord of my life. And I have made the commitment to saying yes to whatever it is he asks me to do. And I'm not going to lie that it's, it's scary sometimes and it's uncomfortable like a lot of the times. And it's, it's not always safe. But it is beautiful and it's amazing and the best part is it is so freeing to give up the burden of lordship and hand it over to the one it belongs to Jesus to take the weight that you were not meant to carry and give it to the rightful person Jesus is asking how long will you waver between two opinions, two masters, two lords. How long will you waver and hold back from being fully committed and devoted to me? It says, if, if Jesus is Lord, follow him. If Jesus is Lord, Stop wavering and start serving. If Jesus is Lord, stop wavering and get to church more often or join a group so that you can be connected to community that will push you closer to him every day. Students, stop wavering and come to student nights for the same reasons. Get connected to Jesus and people who care. Let's stop wavering. We say God is greater than highs and lows. How do we know that? Because Jesus is risen. And if Jesus is risen, then let's follow him as Lord of our lives. So where are you at today? My guess is you're in one of two places. The first, you have never made the decision to accept the gift of salvation through Jesus. So you don't follow because you haven't yet believed you can make that decision today to choose to believe and accept Jesus as your savior. Well, I'm gonna give you that chance to make that choice in a second, but I wanna talk to the other group. The other group that's probably like what I was for that chunk of my life where you believe in Jesus as your savior. There's no doubt there, but you are still the Lord of your life. You're still the one calling the shots. How's that been working out for you? Today, you can make the choice to stop doing that. Give up the responsibility of calling the shots and hand the lordship over to Jesus where it belongs. You can make that choice. Here's what I'd like for us all to do. Everyone, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And if you find yourself in the place today where you are now today ready to say yes to Jesus as your savior, 
to accept his salvation and live a life fully devoted to him. If you are ready to say yes to salvation through Jesus, would you raise your hand today? hands up or you can put them down. But I want to give the others an opportunity to make a choice today as well. If you are in the place where you believe in Jesus, but you're still holding on to lordship of your life, but today you're ready to give that up and say yes to Jesus as your Lord and to no longer be the one calling the shots and let him take control. If you are ready to make that choice, would you raise your hand today? Father God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for your love. Thank you for your full devotion, your pursuit of us, your desire to constantly draw us back to you. God, I thank you for those that made the decision to believe today, and we celebrate with them, and we also celebrate with those that made the decision to truly follow you today. Thank you. But thank you for your love, for your pursuit of us your goodness. Know all God's people said. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.